mindset. It's how we see life, people, events, and in some cases, it can even dictate how people see you. The High Frequency Mindset Podcast will help you raise your consciousness and see things in a new light and create new pathways to living better. Host Sally Wagner is a coach and entrepreneur, and she has some answers for you, as well as some soul-searching questions for her guests that will definitely raise your vibe. Here's Sally. Hi, everybody. It's Sally Wagner. Welcome to High Frequency Mindset Podcast. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome our guest, Paul Ferriga. Paul, welcome. Sally, thank you for having me. Great to be with you and your audience. Well, thank you. I appreciate that you're making the time to talk with us. And I want to introduce you to the crowd, and then we'll chat. How about that? Excellent. Thank you. Perfect. Paul Fariga is president and chief storyteller, I love that title, of WordRight, founded in 2002. WordRight is a perennial top-ranked firm. In O'Dwyer's national rankings, WordRight posted the fourth greatest growth among 123 ranked agencies in 2017. In 2019, the Pittsburgh Business Times named WordRight one of the 50 fastest-growing companies in Western Pennsylvania. That's amazing. Paul has been honored by the Pittsburgh chapter of the Public Relations Society of America, that's PRSA, with its Renaissance Hall of Fame award. The chapter's highest honor recognizes a professional who's made a substantial impact in the region. WordRight has received numerous awards for its work from PRSA, IABC, and other professional organizations. Its work has also appeared in PR news books as case studies of excellence. Paul's passion for storytelling inspired him to form WordRight and to focus on developing the concept of a capital S story, the story above all others that explains why someone would buy from an organization, partner with it, invest in it, or work with it. Before founding WordRight, Paul was a vice president at Ketchum Public Relations, where he served clients including Alcoa, Bridgestone, Firestone, and Rutgers University. Paul also spent two decades as a journalist. He edited the Pittsburgh Business Times, was an editor and correspondent for the Thompson, Washington, D.C. Bureau, and was senior editor of Ohio Week and a reporter for the Cincinnati Inquirer. Paul, again, welcome. Thank you, Sally. Thank you so much for having me and for sharing the introduction. Yes, absolutely. And there's more. I I didn't share everything, so I encourage everyone. I always encourage everyone. Check the show notes and you'll find out more. And we'll talk about that later. Wow. Uh, I mean, there's so much there and such a history of, of you professionally to lead to this point. And I love that you say the the big S, the capital S. Capital story. S story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love how you express it, that, you know, this is what is going to draw somebody to do business with a, a person, a business yeah. uh, to to invest, to work there. Yes. You know, sometimes we think so much about getting clients that we don't really think about getting employees or contractors, people who want to work with us. So what is that story with a capital S? Sure. Well, for the audience, I'm sure we are all sharing stories all day long. As leaders, we might be sharing a story asking somebody to complete a task or sharing a strategic quarterly vision 
Uh, those are small s stories because as leaders, we tell thousands of stories all day long. The capital S story gets that capital S because it stands above the rest. And it does because it answers those four questions you reference. Why somebody should buy from you, work for you, invest in you, or partner with you. And Sally, those answers define the character and the nature of your organization, your offering. That's what makes you distinct and unique. Those other sorts of stories we share are more transactional in nature. That's why they get the smallness. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love how you expressed it. And and here's the dilemma. And, and this comes up a lot in my conversations with people. You know, when, when we're in business for ourselves, with ourselves, uh, however we express it, we are so busy working in the business. That's right. Uh, it's hard to step back and work on the business. And so what you are helping people to do is to work on the business to identify and express the, that big story. Is yeah. that correct? Yes. There's a consultant that I follow and respect greatly named David C. Baker. Uh, his most recent book is called The Business of Expertise. And he puts it this way, Sally. When you're inside the jar, you can't see your label. Yeah. All right. And what that means is for potential employees, partners, investors, and certainly prospects and customers, it's difficult for us to look at ourselves and see ourselves the way other folks see us. And that's what we're in the business of doing in our firm is helping our clients, our great clients, understand how they want to be seen how they need to be seen by these audiences, and then to help them uncover, develop, and share their unique story in a way that they make that connection. Yeah, and that is so important for people to understand that, you know, we may see ourselves, and we do see ourselves in one way, that's different from how other people are going to see us and perceive us, um, so we, at least in our own thinking, have expressed everything perfectly. And why aren't they, you know, beating the door down That's to come right. and do business with us? And yet, perhaps there's something that isn't expressed quite so well that others are seeing. And that's where the disconnect is. Right. There's a, a quote. I think I got it right. The uh, greatest failure in communication is the illusion that it has been achieved. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, in our inside our own minds, the universe is a perfect place, and we've done everything we need to do in order to connect with the stakeholder audience is most mm-hmm. important to us. Yeah, and we've learned in twenty years at our firm that that's not quite accurate. Yeah, and you're right; it is an illusion, right? Yes. And and so many times when we're not getting the response that we think we should get. Our tendency is to, well, they're just, you know, whatever. <laughs> they're not. So you blame they're somebody not. else, too. The responsibility is on the audience or on somebody yeah. else. Yeah. I don't have and, anything to do with it. I'm perfect in my own conception. Exactly. And and the question should be, what have I uh, failed to communicate effectively right. that right. is not eliciting those results and responses that I want? And, and far too often what we see in our industry and in the many clients, hundreds of clients we've worked with over the years, Sally, is that we're not sharing that story. We're sharing other things. I, I hate the term features and benefits, but in the marketing world, that is so often what 
people say they want to share. Nobody cares about your features and benefits. Our work draws on some sources that are somewhat unusual. Um, Simon Sinek, one of my favorite authors, his first book was uh, Start With Why. All three of his books are fantastic. But the basic premise of Start With Why, which began for him as a TEDx talk, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Generally speaking, in the 21st century, we are overwhelmed with choice. So it's not a matter of deciding that somebody's going to buy what you do. It's a matter of deciding why they should choose you rather than some other provider of your product or service, right? And that really is the capital S story answer. It answers why. Our, our work is also drawn from sources, including uh, the work of the psychoanalyst Carl Jung and the mythologist Joseph Campbell. Both of these gentlemen at different times in the last century came to understand through their research that as human beings, our brains are hardwired for story. And so in our work, what we're doing is we're identifying an archetypal story that defines our client, and we're marrying that with the specifics of their organization to create a unique narrative. If I said to you, Sally, we have a new client at our firm, it's a David and Goliath story. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to know that David versus Goliath is the underdog archetype. So what we do with our clients is identify the archetypal family or stories that best fit their organization. And then we start to talk about the specifics of what they do. In the 21st century, we're overrun with digital clutter. Way too many information inputs on a daily basis. Depending on which research study you look at, between five to 10 to 20,000 various information inputs bombard us every day. How are we supposed to break through that clutter and be remembered by the audiences most important to us? The answer to me is the original communication medium, the only one that is completely self-contained, no batteries required. All you need is a brain and an imagination, and that's called storytelling. And more than just entertaining, you want to share your story. Why are you unique? Why are you special? Why should somebody give you their mind share and begin to have a relationship with you? Yeah, absolutely. You, you brought out so many important points, you know, the, those archetypal stories that yeah. we all know immediately what it means. Uh, it's like a, a, a shorthand way of expressing it. Yes. And, and that you rely on on people like uh, Jung and Joseph Campbell. I mean, I, yes. I, I do a lot of work uh, based on Joseph Campbell as well, um, because the, the the storytelling, and yes. Um, yes. that's such a crucial part of how we express who we are and and give meaning and purpose to who we are and what we do. Yeah, you know, there was a research study done not too long ago, and uh, I'm in the process of writing a blog post about this. And to test the theory of digital clutter, scientists wired up about 100 people with electrodes. They decided the control was going to be that not important side of the brain, the creative side. So they put all kinds of electrodes on that side of the brain, and then they bombarded the analytical left brain side of these folks to see how they handled digital clutter. Now, they figured that nothing was going to happen on that loopy, daydreaming, creative <laughs> side. So they were shocked to discover that as they bombarded the analytical brain with information, 
the electrodes showed the information traveling to the right side of the brain and then back to the left side of the brain. Aha, what's going on here? So they interview all the subjects and they come to learn that the way the human brain processes information is through narrative. And what the test subjects were telling the scientists was, in essence, I had to make up a story so I could understand the information I was processing. So this is a whole brain concept. And I don't care if you're a lawyer or an engineer or a, you know, a, a rocketeer. You, you, you need to be sharing your value in a story if you want to be remembered. And that's the genius of Campbell and all his work and also the work that Jung did in developing what he called the collective unconscious, yes. the set of uh, a few dozen stories that from his work as a psychoanalyst, he realized that all of us were sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the things that I thought of as you were speaking just now is, uh, you know, the when I coach people, I talk about, you know, come up with an overall life strategy that yes. has been supported by your goals. And then the goals are supported by those systems and processes that we put into place for the daily activities and those steps, right? And so the the analogy I'm drawing, and, and let me know if I'm off base here, is that that story is compatible, and perhaps it is, the overarching strategy that we have for our lives. Even if you're not a book reader, you know what a book is. And it's fair to think of your overall story as that book. In your life, you go through many different chapters. And frequently, I'll have clients ask us, well, you know, uh, Paul, I'm not the founder of the company. He just retired and I'm taking over. That's fine. Your narrative is still your narrative, but now we're into chapter two, or maybe it's chapter three or four, right? Because different things have happened. That's how our brains make sense of things. Right. Now, not everything has to be a war and peace, a Tolstoy novel that has great length to it. But what we're looking for as human beings is context and meaning. And that's what stories give us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's important that we have those in our businesses. Absolutely. You know, too too often people think, oh, that's just, you know, too frou-frou or whatever. I don't have time. And yet, in in many instances, that's the crucial piece that may be missing uh, that is going to determine the level of success for the business. Absolutely. So our work, primarily, we work with providers of complex products and services. So the smarter you are, the more difficulty you have in succinctly explaining the value of what you do. We are your friend because we're going to help you translate that story into a way that gets you hired and gets you paid. Generally speaking, the smarter you are, the more specialized your expertise, the more frequently the people you who are hiring you don't know as much about what you do as you do. Yet you want them to hire you. In order to get them to sign the agreement and to pay you, you need to tell a story to share a compelling narrative that they understand. And that's what we do at our firm. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense because it, you know, when, when people are at that level, they have so much knowledge and, yes. and perhaps they over explain it. 
Uh, and and then people people just shut that out, right? Because they're, they they're not buying the process; they're buying the result. Exactly, and, and that's where the story is. Right, they're buying the result. They're also buying the relationship. Let me give you an example. Yeah, engineers, lawyers—they are both licensed. You can't practice your profession unless you're licensed. So, being an attorney and having a state bar license. That's a table stake. The letters behind your name, that's a table stake. If I'm a CEO and I'm evaluating three engineering firms for a project or three law firms for a project, you are not in the room and I am not talking to you unless you're qualified. So that's not what gets me the work. What gets me the work is what you said. Do I have a plan to deliver the kind of results that the prospect or client wants? And the client or prospect's going to say to themselves, is this the kind of organization that fits our culture? Are these the kind of people that we can do business with? Yeah. Right? And ideally, I think most of us who run organizations prefer to have long-term relationships, even if we look at what we do on a daily basis as some flavor of a transaction, right? And generally speaking, relationships are the king of the realm. That's what we really want, Right. And if you're not sharing a compelling story in order to create the dialogue that results in a relationship, you're just going to live project to project, hand to mouth, transaction to transaction. Most business leaders I know prefer not to do that. Exactly. It is about building those relationships and, and that it takes time, right? Yeah. It doesn't happen instantly. And going back to what you said earlier about we're bombarded with so much information and how are we going to remember a person? We, we need to make the business memorable because uh, right. it's no like trust, remember, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then you have a shot at doing business and, and it all comes down to the relationship. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I speak frequently on this topic and I, I show a little video about social media and one of the statistics in there, it's actually a 2005 Microsoft uh, study it probably needs to be updated. Uh, but in this study, you know, I have it in my book too, uh, Microsoft, uh, the researchers hired by Microsoft discovered that the attention span of a goldfish is longer than that of a human being. Yes. The goldfish has an attention span of eight seconds on average. Ours is seven seconds. And that's because of all this digital clutter and all the other stuff going on in the world. So how are we going to break through? How about using what we call a synaptic shortcut? these archetypal narratives and aligning them with the uniqueness of our own company's story to sort of remember. Yeah, that makes perfect sense because we do remember the story. We remember the narrative, you know, we, we may not remember all the details and yet we remember the structure of the story. So what a fabulous way for a business to become memorable. Yeah, if I can share a quick story. Uh, yes. You know, this, what we do today at my, our firm, the process is called story crafting. It's trademarked, it's evolved over the years. Way back in the beginning, when I was working on the raw material of this, I was a, a, uh, a volunteer coach in an organization that helped people in job transition. And I was working on this idea of archetypal narratives. And a, a gentleman who was an IT expert uh, came through the program looking for his next great job. And said to him, Brian, you know, IT expert, what does that mean? You know, you could be working for 
a company of 10 people or one with a thousand? What do you do? And he said, well, what I really like is working in an organization where people bring me unsolvable problems. Now, he said, I'm kind of a magician in that way. And I said, well, you're kind of like Houdini. And he paused and he just stopped for a minute. And he got this look in his eyes. I said, what's the matter, Brian? And he said, I'm an amateur magician and Houdini is my favorite of all time. Yeah. I said, well, let's work on you telling your story by describing what you do as being the Houdini of IT. Okay, so he did that, did a nice job with it. He came back about four weeks later and he'd gotten the job. And he, and he told this amazing story. He'd interviewed with the CEO. And when it came time for the CEO to make the IT hire, he went out to his assistant and he said, I need you to hire, find this guy. We need to hire him. I can't remember his name. He's Houdini. <laughs> so literally, this woman is looking through all the contacts and everything of her boss to find Houdini. Yeah. So Brian said to me, Paul, I just can't believe how well that worked. You know, the CEO said, get me Houdini, and I was hired. <laughs> That's fabulous. That that reminds me of uh, the work by Jane McGonigal. If you're familiar That's with her, she wrote the book Super Better. She has a TED Talk and and a website. It's, it's like a game, and the whole concept okay. is to live gamefully and create your own secret identity. Uh, right. And, you know, think in terms of Joseph Campbell, where you're the hero of your own story. That's right. On the hero's journey. Um, and, and that's so much part of the storytelling. Yes. That, you know, you create your own powerful, heroic story, which then gets translated to a next level for your business. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the things, you know, as, as Campbell would have it, there's only one kind of story and one kind of hero. And what we know in businesses, that's not exactly uh, true. And there is a continuum. And some corporate stories make the customer the hero. And in some, somebody inside the organization, actually, I think the majority, it needs to be somebody inside uh, the organization. The perfect example would be healthcare, right? Because if I need to have major surgery, I am going to assess the healthcare providers to the extent I can based upon the people who are going to deliver the care, the doctors, uh, the nurses, et cetera, et cetera. So in that kind of a story, they're the heroes, right? Uh, a great consumer product that makes it possible for me to do something that I didn't think I could previously do. Well, then maybe in that story, as the customer, I am the primary hero. So there's variations, right? Because- yeah. Campbell's thought was everybody's like Luke Skywalker. Everybody's like Robin Hood. Everybody's like Dirty Harry. They all are, you know, growing up in some forgotten place. And then they meet a magic man and they're called to service and they battle a villain and they save their society and become a hero. Right. In the classic sense, those narratives exist. They're all over the place. I'm not dismissing them. I'm just saying it would be wrong for our audience to assume that's the only archetype and only template for their success. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be that straightforward, uh, which is why they need right. to talk to people like you uh, who can guide them in the appropriate approach exactly. uh, as they formulate their stories for their businesses. Right. Cause everybody, if everybody is Luke Skywalker, <laughs> yeah. nobody's different anymore. Do you know yeah. what I mean? 
So, and that's where too, in the archetypal story, it's not just, you know, the people who know me best, my clients would tell you that I'm like Robin Hood because I save them from the villainous snares of whatever the big bad competitors are, right? Then you have to say how you do that. Right. Is That's where people start with marketing and unfortunately get lost by talking about what's unique about the company, otherwise known as, and I hate the term, features and benefits. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. It's such a wealth of information. Um, I have two more questions for you. Sure. So the first one, uh, here's the setup. In my coaching, I use an acronym. It's MSG. That stands for mindset, skill set, get off your asset. Because <laughs> I, I think it brings together some important principles uh, that we all need to follow, whether it's in business or in life in general, right? Uh, yeah. We have to take action to make things happen. So as you look over your amazing journey, uh, your hero's journey, and how you bring value to your clients and customers, what is an overarching principle you identify that contributes to your success? So there are three and they're connected. Uh, authenticity, mm-hmm. having a fluent storyteller, and continuously engaging the audience. And that comes back to something, that last point that we talked about earlier. You know, if you're the greatest opera singer in the world, but you're in uh, a rundown opera hall in the outback of Australia, is anybody ever going to know you existed, right? So you got to be in the right place to share your story. You also have to be a fluent storyteller. Uh, just because you're the CEO of your organization, you may not be the best storyteller. Back to my example in healthcare. Uh, do I want to talk to the hospital CEO when I'm evaluating where I might have my surgery or do I want to talk to the doctors, right? So the, the fluent storyteller is the right one for the job. And authenticity, your story has to be rooted in truth. Look at where we are today. Fake news is a term. And it applies just as much in commerce as it does in the news business, right? So authenticity, a story shared by a fluent storyteller, and continually engage with your audience to make sure that they're not only receiving your story, but that they're part of it, that they see themselves as being part of this great narrative that you're creating. Yeah. Fabulous, fabulous tips. And and definitely related there. Last question. Yes. How can people get in touch with you? The best ways to do that, uh, our, wor- our our website is Word, like what we've been speaking, Write, like what you do with a pen, PR, like public relations, wordwritepr.com, forward slash storycrafting. We'll take the audience to a place where they can get a sample chapter of my book and learn a lot more about the storytelling process. So that's wordwritepr.com forward slash storycrafting. Awesome. And if you didn't have a chance to write that down, uh, everybody who's tuning in with us. Yes, if you're driving, don't write that down. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I do a lot of listening when I drive. So absolutely good reminder. Um, and that's why you need to check the show notes because we can't always write down when people give us that information. And I absolutely encourage you to reach out to Paul, get more information, take a look at his sample chapter from his book. I know you're going to love it and you will love connecting with him and getting all of the value that he brings. 
So thank you again for having this fabulous conversation with me today. Sally, thank you so much to you for the opportunity to be with you. And thanks to everybody in the audience for dropping by and sticking with us. Absolutely. And I thank you as well. Make sure you tune in next time for High Frequency Mindset Podcasts.